Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble. The career of Bill Gross, once known as the Bond King, came to a rather humiliating end this year. Robin Wigglesworth, who interviewed the former fund manager for lunch with the FT, shares his impressions with Alec Russell, FT weekend editor. Pimco was always known back then as really badass. We were definitely not friendly. We were looking for every penny we could get. We were known as badasses. We were looking for every penny we could get. So that was Bill Gross in a recent interview with the FT. For many years, he was known as the Bond King. And this was for his extraordinary success in reading the bond markets. And in his era of hegemony, practically any move he made, any decision he made affected the markets. It affected the Financial Times. But now he's had something of a dramatic fall from grace. He split some years ago from PIMCO, the investment firm he founded. And I think it's fair to say his performance faltered at the rather smaller firm of Janus Henderson, where he sought refuge. So now he's retired and he can be seen from time to time hanging out at his country club. Robin, you met him there recently for lunch. How was this former legend of finance looking after the tribulations of the last few years? He was looking pretty well, actually. He had a slight cough from some sort of minor bug. It was February, of course. But it is Orange County, so it was sunny, the weather was great, and he looked trim, healthy, and pretty contented for a man who's actually had a pretty shocking few years. Well, I guess, fair enough, one could argue for him to look pretty contented because I think I'm right in saying Forbes puts his fortune at $1.5 billion and he presided over one of the most successful investment firms in history for a long while. Based on your conversation with him and what you know about him, tell us, how does he fit into the recent history of finance? How big is his contribution to that world? Well, to be honest, there is a lot of debate around this still. I think he is a giant. He's a genuine giant of the finance industry. When I started out as a financial journalist years ago, many more years than I care to remember, I remember my trainer used Bill Gross as the example of the ultimate celebrity for the finance industry. He wasn't just somebody who could make or break the fate of a company or even a country. He would do so in a sort of colourful, controversial bon mot in one of his investment letters or a TV appearance. Gross pretty much invented what bond investing is today. Back in the day, people didn't trade bonds. And this was pre the electronic era. So bonds were actually physical pieces of paper that you kept in a vault. But then when the market started to change, Gross was the first person that really started to trade bonds, just as you trade a stock. So you kind of invented what we think of the bond industry is today. One of the remarkable things I found when reading about his career is that I think it's right to say he actually effectively started his career in finance in Vegas playing blackjack. Tell us about that. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating story. It's kind of this genesis story. You don't really hear that often. But he once had a terrible accident whilst he was studying psychology in Duke. In his words, it almost scalped him when he went through the car. And whilst he was recuperating, going through series of surgeries at hospital, he read a very famous book on blackjack called Beat the Dealer. It was written by a famous gambler and mathematician and later hedge fund manager called Ed Thorpe, who's a bit of a legend in his own right. So after college and hospital, Bill Gross went to Las Vegas. He'd sewn $200 into his trousers to avoid getting robbed, and he found the cheapest hotel he could, 
and managed to turn that $200 into $10,000 in five months. That, of course, was still pretty hard work because he said he played blackjack 16 hours a day. So actually, as an hourly wage, he thinks it only worked out as around $5 an hour. But Ed Thorpe had a second book coming out called Beat the Market. And Gross thought that was kind of interesting. They thought that maybe he could turn what he'd learned in the blackjack tables about odds and probabilities and how to beat the system and apply that to markets. So after his stint in the Navy, he applied for an MBA at UCLA and wrote his thesis on Ed Thorpe's second book. And hey presto, that thesis managed to get him a job in an insurance company called Pacific Life, where he then went on to found PIMCO. Well, he had a good ride. PIMCO founded in 1971. 20, 30 years later, I think it peaked at managing something like $2 trillion of assets. But then after the, dare I say it, financial hubris came something of a nemesis. I'm sure you remember where you were in 2014 when PIMCO started to, as it were, come apart, Robin. I remember I was the news editor at the FT and someone came running up to me and said, Mohammed Al-Aryan, the chief executive of PIMCO and Gross's right-hand man has stepped down. 2014 was a big moment for Gross. It was when his judgment was finally publicly called into question and he eventually had to leave. What did you learn about that turn of events? No, it was a pretty dramatic collapse of what was a pretty sensational career up to then. I think I was, I was the one that might have run up to you and told you about that at the time because I was on our breaking news service at the time. So Bill Gross's results started trailing off in 2011, 2012. They had a phenomenal financial crisis. Pipco and Gross himself had managed to see the troubles ahead and managed to sidestep that mess. But by 11, he started losing his touch. And, you know, this was a man that's used to thinking of himself as walking water. That started exacerbating what was always a fairly difficult personality. And eventually, Mohammed Al-Aryan, his CEO and co-chief investment officer, seemingly had enough and abruptly quit. And that was the beginning of the end of growth at PIMCO because Mohammed Al-Aryan had played a pretty vital role as sort of an shock absorber between Gross and the rest of the organization. And suddenly all these other senior executives had to deal with him directly and that proved pretty tough. So by the end of that year, they'd gotten so fed up that many of them were threatening to quit and they decided to instead oust Bill Gross. And that's why he suddenly, before getting actually sacked, he then jumped ship for Janus Henderson because he, in his words, he'd rather walk the plank voluntarily than be pushed. I told everybody, okay. I said, uh, I'll resign from the, the total return front and everything else. I said, just give me, uh, you know, I was begging like a mongrel, like uh, scrapping for tidbits on the ground. I said, just just give me a few closed in funds and stocks plus and stuff. And I said, I'll even go across the street and uh, you don't even have to see me. I said, I just want to stay at Pimco. That's my family and my foundation. So they looked at me and they said, no. I said, what? Okay. So that's when I called up Janice. And that's when I, I said, I'm not, I'm not walking the plank. I said, I've got more pride than that. I said, so if I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave on my own terms. I'm going to resign. He spoke very powerfully about this. I'm going to quote here from your interview with him. They fired me and I'm never going to get over that. 
Well, it wasn't just Pimco that was causing him some distress. He mentions that it was his professional family. Well, his family life as well came under terrible stress. And he spoke rather movingly and, and, and openly about that to you, I think. Yes. I mean, one of the things that was fascinating about Bill Gross and has always been fascinating is that in an industry where there are a lot of monochrome characters that shy away from being transparent and open about things, he was brutally open about both his professional challenges but also his personal ones. I mean, whilst this was all going on, he was also going through a breakup with his second wife, Sue Gross, and they got divorced a couple of years ago, but I think the build-up to that divorce and what came later was, even by the scale of celebrity divorces, pretty nasty and brutal, and clearly left some pretty severe emotional scars as well. The other thing that I was very struck by, apart from all his insights into the world of finance and his career, was his revelations and openness about Asperger's, which... I think he's never really spoken about before. No, he hasn't. He made an oblique reference to it a few years ago where he mentioned that he shared an affliction with another person in finance who had Asperger's. And that led to some speculation, but not much. But uh, he came clean to me and talked about how he discovered it. It was Michael Lewis who'd written a book about some of the iconoclasts that saw the financial crisis happening called The Big Short. It would turn into a, a film. And the character Michael Burry, who was played by Christian Bale in the film, discovered later in life that he had Asperger's. And in that book, Michael Lewis lists some of the common symptoms. And when Bill Gross was reading that book, he realised you know, the mixture of avoiding eye contact, which I very much noticed during our lunch, an awkward or obsessive personality and odd habits all really nailed him. So he went to his wife and said, I think that's me. And later in the course of the divorce, he saw a psychiatrist who confirmed that he's definitely an Asperger's. So he thinks that this explains some of the prickliness and some of the issues of why things went so badly at PIMCO. But it also probably explains to a large extent, also why he was so successful in the first place, I think. Yeah, so he's sort of looking back at his former colleagues and underlings and saying, please excuse me if I was a bit grumpy and didn't really catch your eye because actually I had a syndrome. What next for Bill? Is he just going to disappear into the sunset and play golf and have a good time? Or is there one last big deal or number for him? Well, I mean, he's quite literally disappearing into the sunset in a week or so. He's going on an extended holiday to Bora Bora with his new girlfriend and swim with sharks there, he said. After that, he'll come back and manage, you know, what is still a fairly considerable fortune and a foundation part-time whilst he plays golf and enjoys life. And the way he talked about it was that, you know, he's starting to see more obituaries in the paper. And for him, that was a pretty strong message that maybe, you know, after 40 years of doing this full-time and, you know, it's an obsession that maybe the time had come to finally start enjoying life a little bit. So that's what he was planning. And obviously he's very involved in philanthropy and I think, I suspect that we'll still hear from Bill Gross from time to time because he's still going to be managing a decent amount of money and, you know, Bill Gross is Bill Gross and he probably will still always want a bit of the limelight. Well, Robin, thank you very much. I don't have a track record at Vegas, but if I was to make one bet, I would say that we haven't heard the last of Bill Gross. <laughs> that sounds like a safe bet. That was Robin Wigglesworth talking to Alec Russell with clips from Bill Gross. And you can find a link to the interview in our show notes.
Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, you can find our latest subscription offers at ft.com forward slash offer. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.